Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 198 of Geek Town Radio. We're back this week with Gray. How are you doing? Hello. I'm. I am a little bit croaky, but I am here. I yes. am just about surviving. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> so apart from getting over illness, what else have you been up to? Well, I'm. I'm. I'm very much watching things in the past at the moment, so I'm a bit slow in catching up with things, but. Um, and since I last chatted to you, I've um, finally got a chance to finish Titans. Yes. Really did enjoy that. That last episode, wow, that, that confused me so much. <laughs> I, think I, I think I spent about 20 minutes like, have I have I missed an episode in the middle? Um, what? Where am I? And so I really enjoyed that. I really am looking forward to the second season. That has been confirmed, hasn't it, Dave? Uh, yes, they are. De- yeah. I don't know whether they've officially come out and said we are making a second season, but they are making a second season. So, you know. Yeah, it's um, got to be. I mean, with that ending as well. So. Yeah, because they've been announcing casting for it. So, because they're introducing like Superboy in the next season. So, uh, uh, too right yeah um, and i mean i i say i like t- titans i just felt that that final episode felt a bit mid-season endy to me not kind mm. of season season endy to me but um maybe that's yeah. just just me but and has a uh, uk channel picked up doom patrol yet no not yet i would expect netflix to pick it up but nobody seems to have picked it up yet um so we're still waiting to hear. Same with the Stargirl series, which they've started uh, releasing mm-hmm. photos for. So I was hoping that Netflix would be all over the Doom Patrol stuff. And uh, yeah. we still haven't had anybody pick up the Young Justice animated series. There's a Harlequin series. There's a uh, Swamp Thing series coming as well. Um so yes, there's lots of stuff, but we wait patiently. Um, I also finished Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. Uh, very dark, very poignant i finished that in two days that was a proper binge watch for me there yeah um also finished baptiste right um a bit of a a bit of a uh it was a good series up to series five but series six i felt was a bit of a uh, ending bit of frustrating right. uh, i probably get renewed though because you know it, it's got good audiences yeah um i also binged bounty hunters because sky made it available all in one so that's ah, the jack cool. whitehall and rosie perez um, I like that. Five episodes, nice, hand, manageable chunks, funny. Um, we've got some good cast in there. Really, really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, I dug around on Netflix a little bit on my journeys home, and I found a really interesting um, document, not what well, documentary, it's called Dating Around. Like, I know that everyone will watch things like the Undatables and First Dates and Celeb First Dates, but this is sort of Netflix's take on it. Um, and it was quite interesting, and it's the concept that they meet the person Mm. Um, and then they go on five dates and then she only invites one of them for a second date. And there's very little like talking to the camera. It's quite artistic and ethereal. And she, the person who's on the date obviously wears the same outfit on every date. Okay. All seems to take place as if they're intercut. And it it was fascinating because I mean, in one episode, I think it's episode two, there was this horrendous man. I mean, an absolutely horrendous man who basically ripped this girl who was on a date and was really toxic masculinity at his worst. Um, And I sort of then went online and uh, there was a lot of following, but I think mainly from America, but we've got it over here. So if you like those dating apps, but you want a little bit more of an artistic and a different flair, you don't have an annoying 
voiceover all the way through and go and watch it on Netflix. Yeah, that's quite interesting as a, as a take on it. I mean, I don't watch any of those dating shows, but um, I'm, I'm glad Netflix are kind of doing a different version of it if they're, yeah. they're going to go into that, which is good. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then I finally finished, and I'm just saying it because I cannot get enough of the performance of Patricia Arquette is mm. the escape from Dana Mora. Like her performance in the final three or four episodes was just amazing. Um, she was just outstanding. Yeah. Um, I, it, is, it takes a while to get there. And I know that we've, we've had a conversation before. And I think when I last chatted, I was like three episodes in and it just stalled on my like viewer. But then I just gave it a go, a couple of train journeys and I was hooked and it was a really, really good series in the end. And it was nominated for quite a few awards. So, yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I think it's one of those shows that I have to be in the right frame of mind for, cause I tried watching it and I, I sort of enjoyed it and it was kind of high quality, you know, decent HBO style drama and yeah. I but I just I for some reason it just didn't connect with me at the time so mm. I've still got it on my skybox and uh, I I will probably go back to it at some point yeah. but yeah um the things I'm currently watching so the things that are the ones I'm tuning into at the moment uh Fleabag oh I mean yeah. someone someone give Phoebe Waller-Bridge like lots of awards like her writing they are doing. <laughs> uh, I mean the writing in this season there was a moment at the end of I think it was episode three that was just like the best bit of writing I think I've seen in ages I'm not going to spoil it for people who might be waiting to binge watch it there's a moment where, where she's on the bench with the priest played by Andrew Scott and it was just one of the best pieces of television I think I've ever experienced. And even my colleague at work was talking about it the next morning. Oh, and just like We were, I, I, I know I'm trained in media teaching. And so the concept of the way she is delivering this script and delivering this performance to me just continues to break down the boundaries of what we know to be television and expectations. And yeah, I mean, I, I get, get a bit geeky on it now, but yeah. yeah. And Fleabag's one that I I didn't watch when it was out the first time, and I it's it's around and available season one now. So I'm I'm gonna go and and catch up on that because I loved Killing Eve as yeah. well. And uh, I mean, talking about giving her lots of awards, they've bent rather heftily the uh, BAFTA rules to allow Killing Eve to get um, nominated for awards, which technically, if they'd stuck to the letter of the rule shouldn't have been nominated for oh wow so because it's an american produced show even though it's very british in what it is uh it's produced by bbc america which is technically an american company so they've kind of had to bend the rules somewhat to allow it to be entered into a number of the uh, bafta categories that mm. it wouldn't have been allowed to get into so uh, yes they are bending over backwards to give you all a bridger awards at the moment but i mean if you look I mean, even when you you love Killing Eve, and I love Killing Eve, but what she does in Fleabag is it's a very different genre. Yeah. But it's just she understands the concepts and the sort of conventions of what she's trying to create. And the way she uses them, I just think is really refreshing. And if they're saying that, you know, everyone's going over to all of the streaming, but you know, she's creating good content for yeah. BBC and this is exactly what we, we need. So that's, that's really good. Um, I'm also watching home on channel four, which is the story of a Syrian refugee who ends up in a family's car right? On, yeah. on the way back from the, a summer holiday. And it's actually quite a nice, again, it's not a, um, a punchline comedy. It's, it's a comedy with heart, and but it's also got a bit of drama in because they're looking at the refugee crisis from a very, very different perspective. Um, and so I, I think it's a really well-written, nicely acted drama. Uh, it's based in Dorking, which uh, is weirdly quite near to me. Uh, but they, um, they, he just, in his first episode, he's like, oh, I'm in London. And they're like, no, you're in Dorking. He's like, oh. So it's just, it's quite these little bits of humor, but has a serious take on the refugee crisis as well. Okay. Um, 
And then two nights ago, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, I started Line of Duty. I turned off all my devices. I locked the doors. I was ready to watch Line of Duty live, and it did not disappoint. Um, a brilliant first episode, some great twists. Um, you uh, People out there playing Line of Duty bingo with some of the classics <laughs> from the previous uh, series. There are a few phrases and lines, and um, Adrian Dunbar, who plays um, one of the detectives, he he's got such a a striking accent and striking sort of key lines and everyone's already over social media are saying his lines and i think it's going to be a good season um jeb mercurio he's got a lot to live up to is putting out the bodyguard recently and the previous episodes just getting better and better and better he's got to make sure this season does it that's another show that i need to go and catch up on because i've seen absolutely none of line of duty Uh, (laughs) but uh yeah I, i love bodyguard a lot and uh I I sort of feel like I should go back and and start Line of Duty because I think a lot of that's on Netflix. The previous yes, seasons, so all of them are. Yes, yes, so, they so are. So I can go yeah. and watch them on there. Um, and so then on to films. Still not being a great film reviewer, I haven't seen many. But from my sick bed today, I watched Isn't It Romantic with Rebel Wilson, um, and. I really liked it. Again, it's in my film geekery. It, it plays with the conventions of what a romantic comedy is, but it's very aware of itself. And I think that's what it aimed to be. But it's it's a nice, um, simple, I can watch it. I can laugh. I can appreciate. Um, it's got quite a good cast in it as well. Um, Adam Devine's in it. Um, he, you know him from, uh, he's been, been in Modern Family before. It's also got, uh, Luke Hemsworth, no Liam Hemsworth. No, Liam Hemsworth. Li- Liam's, Liam. Liam's the sort of yeah. You've got you've got Chris, who's the expensive one. Then you've got Luke, yeah. who's probably the cheapest one. Liam's kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I got them confused there, but yeah, Liam was in it as well. Um, and and Priyanka Chopra, um, who is in there as well. Right, so. Okay. Good cast. Good cast. Hmm. Um, I watched Captain Marvel a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes. Really enjoyed it. Um, it's not my favourite, but that's purely because it's got a lot to live up to. And I suppose a lot of the critics and some people out there are expecting every new Marvel film to bring something new and punchy and different. Like, you know, when we had Doctor Strange and the visuals and when we had mm. uh, Black, um, Black Panther and the diversity and, you know, everyone wants something different. This one was a really strong film a really good plot um it helped fill in gaps it helped gave this person this character carol danvers a real journey um some really good set pieces really good villains a nice twist in it as well i really enjoyed it so i think the critics need to back off a little bit yeah Uh, it's 21 movies in to this um, (laughs) cinematic universe they're still creating and if i read the news right yesterday they're closing in on a billion which is another marvel movie um that's going to come away with the billion dollars so you know what well well done to them they yeah they've done it well done it well i enjoy i enjoyed the film a lot um and whilst i i know a lot and what you exactly what you're saying about the critics and the the fact that they've they've kind of picked it as not adding anything new it does actually add quite a lot new to the marvel cinematic universe just creatively maybe it's it's not got you know any anything that's new and kind of interesting and that different but from a yeah. from a plot from from adding plots and 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 stuff to the overall marvel universe i mean the introductions of the scroll and that sort of thing um it it does flesh out quite a lot of the mcu and yeah. itself so whilst it's it might not be creatively the most interesting of the films i thought it was a perfectly solid marvel movie and yeah. uh, and it's a stepping stone to to sort of other things things and it introduces a new interesting character and so yeah i i thought it was a perfectly fun interesting nicely done movie and as you say it's making a fortune for them anyway so who cares exactly (laughs) exactly um and i am really interested about going to see shazam obviously my term breaks up this week Ah. so um on friday i am going to either go on friday evening or go at the weekend i'm going to go see shazam um uh, i still have a fondness for the dc films even though they're not my favorite but i 
really like the trailer. I like the setup. I think it's going to be something different. Um, and it's going to warm me up to April the 25th. So, um, yes. to see another superhero movie. So that's me. Sorry. I've taught loads there. That's, that's good. So, uh, well, you had lots to do. Yeah. Lots. What's you been up to? Um, well, I, I've not really been doing, uh, movies at the moment, but a few new TV shows, uh, dead pixels, which started on channel four, which is, is this described as sort of a TV comedy about gamers for gamers. Um, mm-hmm. so very much not your sort of thing. I don't think yeah, but, I saw, I saw that uh, a little uh, blurb and I was like, Nope, I will not record that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it is very funny. If you've ever played, uh, any of those big MMO multiplayer online video games, uh, like world of Warcraft and that sort of stuff, it, it's about a group of friends who are friends within this game. And, uh, they are completely obsessed with trying to level up and and finish this game pretty much to the detriment of their daily lives as well and uh, the girl who's the lead character in it there is a a new guy that starts in her office who sees that she's kind of playing the game on her lunch break and he's basically comes over and goes oh what's that that looks really fun oh i could do do this and she sort of as an attempt because she fancies him to sort of invites him to join the game and he acts like a complete noob once he's in there and he's really annoying and uh, it sort of moves on from there but uh, so that was sort of the opening episode and it's just about this relationship between these these different characters and them balancing their sort of gaming life with their their real life uh, i found it very very funny it's on e4 i think it was it was originally scheduled to be on channel 4 but it's it's actually running on e4 now which is probably a more appropriate place for it uh, it's a nice little half hour comedy it's from john brown who is the guy that uh, did loaded and uh, fresh meat and he's written on oh. veep as well so uh you know that sort of loaded fresh meat kind of vibe gives you some idea of of the sort of humor that you're yeah. dealing with uh it is quite british in in the humor as well it starts alexa davis as meg who is in the detectorist and harlots uh will merrick who's been in poldark and uh San John uh, Yelder, who was in Strike as well, and Charlotte Ritchie, who was from Call the Midwife. So those mm-hmm. are who plays the the long suffering flatmate of uh, of Meg, um, who who is very much not into the game and very much kind of in the real world, and he's sort of the, trying to be the voice of reason but not really managing it. Um, so it's a really nice setup of people and uh, really good fun. I've I've very much been uh, enjoying the first episode of that. I'm Excellent. looking forward to the rest of it. Uh, Project Blue Book. This is a new show which is airing on, it's actually, I think, a History Channel show, but it's airing on um, sci-fi over here. Mm. So uh, it's Aidan Gillian from Game of Thrones uh, and Michael Malarkey, who is from Vampire Diaries, I think, played Enzo in Vampire Diaries. It's set around the uh, US Air Force's investigations into supposed incidents of UFOs and mm-hmm. unexplained phenomena. So it's sort of got a little bit of that kind of X-Files feel to it. It's got Neil McDonough in it as well, who uh, you will know from things like uh, Suits, and he played Damien Dark in Arrow and Legends oh, as well. Yes. And this was a genuine thing as well. It's based around the ideas of the uh, US Air Force investigating UFOs in the 50s and 60s. They have added a bit more of a sci-fi kind of tint to it. Very kind of X-Files. It's not up quite to the level of, of X-Files, Not certainly not after the first episode, but uh, they are apparently based on on real life cases and things mm. that that are, are sort of out there so uh, i mean i'm enjoying it though it's nicely cast and uh, interesting selection of characters i will be watching a bit more of it it's not quite to the level i think it needs to be but uh, you know it's there's there's not that much else around at the moment so it's kind of interesting and fun to watch but that's going out on sci-fi if you want to catch that the other thing i've been doing this week game of thrones <laughs> which of course is about to come back for its uh, for its final final season and in preparation for it coming back for its final season i have started re-watching season one i'm going to see how far i can get through before the uh, the show comes back later in the month but uh, yeah i'm it's it's interesting the foreshadowing 
and the references that pop up, even in those first couple of episodes that they make to things that happen much, much later on in the run. And there are little mentions of them. And now I'm going back and watching it. You can see those where those kind of things were mentioned early on. Uh, and everybody looks so young. It's, it's, it's really funny. Unfortunately, um, I am to Game of Thrones as you are to the Great British Bake Off. I have never watched any of them. And as much as people tell me to go and watch them, um, I just I just can't. I just it's too much of a commitment to try and start it now. Maybe one day in the future I will. Yeah, well now it's now it's sort of all available on Sky and, and that sort of thing. You can watch right from the start. Maybe as it's coming to an end, it's probably now is quite a good time to get into it if you haven't watched it and you can uh, you can work your way through it. It's not yeah. that much of a commitment. I mean, it's it's what six six hour long ish ten episode seasons something like yeah. that. So, so it's not too bad compared to some shows. Yeah. Some other little bits of news dropped this week. Uh, MCM Comic Con in May, which is towards the end of May. I can't remember the exact date, but they announced that Sebastian Stan is going to be one of the guests there. So if you're a fan of the MCU, you get to meet the Winter Soldier. You might want to uh, go and do that. <laughs> and uh, Netflix released a trailer for a new interactive show they're making called You Versus Wild, which basically allows you to try and kill Bear Grylls. Which yeah. <laughs> I saw this. I thought it was this Friday, but obviously not. I was looking for it on Friday, just gone. I'm, I'm interested to see what they've done. This is using like the Bantastat technology. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. It's, they're, they're starting to do a few more different shows that use that Bandersnatch kind of interactive technology where you get to make simple interactions of like doing left or right. So they showed the trailer of it and it's like he's halfway up a clip face and it's like, do you tell him to climb back down or where, you know, it's it's kind of dangerous to climb down the cliff face or do you tell him to climb up where there's potentially a mountain lion? So you, you kind of get him to do various things and... And it's a case of can you get Bear Grylls through this whatever it is. So uh, yeah, and it's a series as well. So there's there's like him in different environments in each episode. I think this is genius bit of marketing from Netflix point of view because whether you love or hate Bear Grylls, this is a great show for you because yeah. you can you can make him do all the horrible stuff or you can make him do the nice stuff that you think you can actually try and get him out or you can try and put him through the worst things possible. Oh, so imagine uh, the hours of filming they've had to do for that. Yeah, I of mean different. Stuff. Trans. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting anyway, but uh, I, I might have a play around with that. I've never really done the Bear Grylls survival thing, but uh, I might have a go at that. And uh, when that comes out, that looks kind of interesting. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so that's coming to Netflix soon. So I think that's it for our stuff this week. Yep. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> TV and film news this week. Uh, we start off with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Netflix has renewed the fantasy horror The Order for a second season. Uh, this this was one got quite a lot of reaction. It's sort of a bit of a kind of young adult show, as far as I can tell, in the vein of things like The Magicians and Vampire Diaries and that sort of CWE sort of area. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's set at a, at a college where there is a, a secret society. It's, it's gone down very well by the sounds of it. It's a lot of people that were very happy that this has been picked up for a second season. I haven't actually started it yet, but uh, it's one on my list to go and look at. But that, that's the order, and it's uh, picked up for a second season. Burden of Truth has been renewed for a third season, and The Coroner has been renewed to, for a second season. Both of those air on Universal TV over here. They're Canadian dramas. Uh, I quite enjoy Burden of Truth. I watched a, one episode of The Coroner, but haven't really gone back to it. And uh, 911 and The Resident have both also been renewed, both for third seasons. Yes, I love both of those. Yeah, I've not been watching The Resident, but I am a huge fan of 911. It's a really, really good and interesting different procedural, that one. So uh, yeah. I've been enjoying that. But uh, that's Sky Witness and another one for Universal. So Universal's done very, very well, really, uh, this, uh, this week. Had uh, three of its shows renewed which I've, you know of course this is always the problem when uh, you're a channel in the UK airing imports is you never know whether the US or Canadian network's going to pick them up again yeah. so, over on uh, All 4 the uh, Channel 4 streaming service they have picked up the supernatural thriller Light as a Feather with an April premiere date so this is another looks to be a sort of young adult drama centres on a series of best friends four best friends 
invite the Shy Girls night out on Halloween, but they soon regret their decision when she suggests they play a seemingly innocent game of light as a feather, stiff as a board. The game goes awry when the five girls start dying off in exactly the way that was predicted, forcing the survivors to figure out why they've been targeted and what evil force is hunting them down. Described by Team Vogue as Pretty Little Liars meets the craft with a dash of Final Destination, apparently. Oh. <laughs> so, what a lovely hybrid of those. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's um, it's actually been nominated for a bunch of Emmys, so it, it could be an interesting one to go and watch, but they're dropping the entire thing from Monday the 1st of April, so by the time this goes out, it will, it will already be on uh, all four. You can go and binge watch your way through the 10-episode first season of that. Interesting. Could be one to go and check out if you like those sort of teen horrors. Then Netflix has set a May premiere date for The Society, which is a sort of modern take on Lord of the Flies. This sounded quite interesting. It stars Catherine Newton, who was in Supernatural and was going to be in the spin-off, which never happened. Um, so it's got her in it. And it's also got uh, Rachel Keller, who is it from Legion as well. They sort of play two sisters in it. it. Follows a group of teenagers who were mysteriously transported to a facsimile of their wealthy New England town without any trace of their parents. Their newfound freedom is fun, but also very dangerous. As they struggle to figure out what has happened to them and how to get home, they must establish order and form alliances if they want to survive. Yeah, I mean, it's basically it's Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah, it is Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, he's got quite a good cast behind it. As I say, uh, Catherine Newton from Supernatural and Rachel Keller from Legion are the two kind of main sisters that are leading it. Um, some people from Under the Dome in there. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it looks like it could be quite good. Again, another um, young adult drama. Uh, it's arriving on Netflix in May. They haven't set an exact date for it yet, but it's arriving at some point in May. That as well. A couple more things been announced uh, Fear the Walking Dead uh, season 5 is going to simulcast once again on AMC UK so that is arriving on the uh, 3rd of June at 2am and then a repeat at 9pm if you're a Fear the Walking Dead fan and you're one of the five people that have AMC UK uh, you can go watch that and on Netflix announced Dead to Me which is a very dark comedy starring Christina Applegate and uh, Linda Cartellini. It's described as a dark comedy about a powerful friendship that blossoms between a tightly wound widow and a free spirit with a shocking secret. That's the sort of basic setup for it. There is a trailer up on the website if you want to go and have a look, but it does look quite interesting, that. So uh, mm. I quite like those sort of dark comedy things that Netflix do. So it's called Dead to Me, and that's arriving on the 3rd of May, Friday the 3rd of May, for that, if you want to go and check that out. Moving on to some bigger news, Apple last week announced a bunch of things about their new streaming service. First of all, what it's going to be called, which is Apple TV Plus, imaginatively. Uh, (laughs) So uh, Apple TV up until now has basically been the box, and I think it's been an app on some of the Apple devices, but uh, they've got like an Apple TV box, which you can plug into your TV. They've announced that they're going to expand that. So the app will not only be available on all Apple devices, including the Mac. Uh, obviously, there's the box as well. They've also said that they're going to release it onto uh, Roku, which is the Roku box, the Amazon Fire system as well. So it'll go on the Amazon Fire sticks, presumably any Fire device as well. And there's going to be an app release for Samsung Smart TVs, Sony, LG, and Vizio as well are also going to be getting an app. So uh, it's not a case of you've got to rush out and buy a like £99 Apple TV box the app is going to be available from lots of different places so you're going to be able to uh, use that and this is before they're starting releasing the original content they are, have got a bunch of original shows which are coming on they're launching in autumn I think most of those are launching so they're going to be doing this sort of throughout the year up until autumn and setting it up on various different devices so people can get hold of it the original shows that they highlighted at the press conference there are more of this uh, of these 
than these seven shows that they've highlighted. But you've got uh, Amazing Stories, which is a new version of the classic Steven Spielberg anthology series, which is is sort of sort of a bit like the Twilight Zone sort of setup of a, it's a completely different story every single time. Um, but they're they're more fantasy action adventure stories essentially. Uh-huh. It's been uh, showrun by a couple of the guys behind Once Upon a Time that one as well so um, different directors different filmmakers different writers different people behind the camera each time but uh yeah i'm, I'm quite looking forward to that because i've seen i remember the original amazing stories and it was a really fun show so uh, i'm looking forward to to that returning in a new guys uh there's the morning show which is uh stars and executive produced by jennifer anderson and reese witherspoon it's a series which follows behind the scenes of one of those u.s morning shows it's kind of a dramedy uh steve carell is also in there and uh mark duplass and um billy Krupp is also in there as well so uh yeah it looks like quite a good cast for that that could be I've quite heard, a I've heard good things about that already I've, i remember reading some stuff on twitter i think about that um it's, it's potentially going to be very good that's a really high quality casting yeah really good setup of people so uh i'm i'm looking forward to seeing that you've got c which i think we've mentioned before is a a fantasy show it's described as an epic world building drama it comes from stephen knight who is the man behind peaky blinders and the bunch of other things uh jason momoa is the star of it it's set in a future where humans have all lost their sight and it's sort of so far in the future that at this point people aren't even entirely sure whether they had sight in the first place you know it's one of those sort of mythical things that that has sort of fall fallen to the depths of time this way of life is challenged when a set of twins are born with the ability to see momoa takes the lead as baba voss who is a fearless warrior leader and guardian so um yeah it sounds kind of interesting and i'm sort of interested to see what stephen knight does with this but it's called c and i'm quite intrigued to see that uh there is little america coming which is kamal najani who you'll know from um silicon valley and uh, wrote the brilliant big sick which is a fantastic film if you've not seen it it's goes behind the headlines to look at the funny romantic and heartfelt and inspiring unexpected lives of immigrants in america at a time when their stories are more relevant than ever so it's a show that is a sort of anthology series it's based around various different immigrants in the US but the way he was describing it it's not particularly purely about immigration it's it's just about the sort of outsiders trying to fit in is essentially what it it sort of is oh. but yes that that one looks quite good and uh, he I mean he proved with the big sick that he's very very good at writing stuff so uh, and he's a fabulous actor as well so I'm I'm very much looking forward to that there is a show called Helpsters, which is a new children's show from the Sesame Workshop. I, I think it's a lovely idea. It's presented by a Muppet named Cody. And the idea is to teach preschoolers the principles and idea behind coding and using that to solve everyday problems. Oh, interesting approach. Yeah, I think that's a really fascinating idea. And uh, whilst it's it's not something I'm going to be watching, obviously, because I don't have children that age. And But uh, yeah, I, I think this is a really fascinating idea. It's called Helpsters though and uh yes I, I think that's a fabulous idea for the sesame street guys so uh yeah one to look out for uh that little voice which is a half hour dramedy from waitress the musical creator sarah borellis and jj abrahams described as a love letter to the diverse musicality of new york which explores the universal journey of finding your authentic voice in your early 20s uh, i had no idea i mean he's jj so there's he's probably going to be a decent quality and uh Mm. Waitress the Musical has been very popular. So Yeah, I saw it a few weeks ago. Oh, did you? Yeah, very good, very good. I, that's an interesting combination, Borellis and Abrams. going to see interest to see what they come up with. Yes, so uh, that's called Little Voice, and uh, that's coming on. And then there's a couple of things coming from Oprah as well. Uh, she's got a couple of documentaries. One is titled at the moment Toxic Labour, and that's dealing with sexual harassment. And the other one is a documentary series based on mental health and how depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, addiction and trauma 
and loss he's devastating people's lives across the globe so neither of those sound like they're going to be particularly pleasant things to watch but uh, yeah I'm sure they'll be incredibly interesting uh, she's also doing a new version of, of the kind of book club thing which she's quite well known for in the US and uh, they're talking about doing this as sort of live streaming things where everybody can kind of watch the live stream at the same time and she's interviewing the author and and they're kind of you know it's it's a big kind of event thing so i'm not entirely sure how that's going to work they were a bit vague about that but that sounded like an interesting idea it's sounding like most of these this stuff is going to launch in the autumn we don't have a price for it yet they've kind of kept that quiet so we'll see what the price point is but it sounds like it's also going to be launching globally though um i'm just already i'm already dreading the amount of progress that come out in that in the autumn period already yes oh, okay. it's, it's going to be crazy so uh, so yes that's an, and it's another thing people have to pay for and i know there'll be complaints about that but uh, mm. yeah i mean it they've got a few other things they've got some sci-fi shows coming up as well depending i mean it's an interesting mix and selection of things I know a lot of people have sort of said, oh, there's not much on there for me. I mean, C, I think he's, he's quite good from a sci-fi point of view. I think Amazing Stories will be quite good. Uh, they've got another thing coming, which is, I can't remember the name of it, but it's based on, on a, one of the big sci-fi authors. So they've got that coming as well. So there are, there are a number of kind of interesting shows coming on the Apple we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see a bit more about that moving over on to e4 and uh, netflix as as well they've teamed up on a uh, semi-autobiographical comedy called may and george from may martin uh if you don't know may martin she's a brilliantly funny comedian she's got a, a part of a special on uh, netflix i've listened to her on radio 4 before she's had a, a few shows on radio 4 yeah so she's been on radio 4 she's had a not a netflix special but it was uh oh yeah it's it was part of their their kind of global uh stand-up series comedians of the world so you can find that as one of the episodes on that she's brilliantly funny this tv series follows recovering addict and comedian may who is trying to control the addictive behaviors and intense romanticism that permeate every facet of her life life is further complicated by a new old consumer's relationship with her new girlfriend called george it's going to star may martin in a sort of version of herself uh she's also co-writing it with uh, Joe Hampson, described as a deeply personal, dark, hilarious and poignant story about the unique pressures of navigating the modern day fluid landscape of gender and sexuality. I'm really interested to see this because I think she's a really funny and interesting comedian. Joe Hampson has written on TV shows such as Skins. He's written stuff for the News Quiz and News Jack as well. He's quite a dark comic. and uh, I I think as as a join-up between the two of them i think this could be really quite interesting it's going to go out in e4 in the uk and netflix worldwide Mm. one to watch out for but that's at the moment that's got the working title of may and george but that may change but it's uh from may martin and then lastly, they've announced the cast or some of more of the cast for the Games of Thrones prequel, which is still only a pilot, although I'd be very, very surprised if HBO don't pick it up. It'll have to go badly wrong for HBO not to pick up a Game of Thrones prequel. Game of Thrones has added five new cast members, including John Sim, Richard McCabe, Marquez Rodriguez, John Heffernan and Dixie Giedricks as well. And they're all going to be heading to Westeros, which presumably is where it's set if it's game of thrones the uh, game of thrones prequel is not going to have any major crossover with the current show or any crossover at all really other than the odd reference i suspect isn't it thousands of years yeah. I, I listened to something it's like thousands of years before it even existed so yeah basically it's it's sort of t- it's taking the same approach that amazon are doing with the uh, lord of the rings series that they're creating so it's it's set thousands of years before the events of game of thrones it's chronicles the world's sent from a golden age of heroes into its darkest hour. The horrifying secrets of Westeros's history and the true origins of the White Walkers, the mysteries of the East, and the Starks of legend. The story is not the story we think we know. So it's 
sounds like they're going to be monkeying around a little bit with uh, what is the established history of, of Westeros and, and stuff. Mm. So it sounds kind of interesting. I'm quite intrigued by it. Uh, it's written by Jane Goldman, who you will know as uh, the writer of Kingsman and Kick-Ass and X-Men First Class and other half of Jonathan Ross. And yeah. uh, uh, George R. R. Martin it's the, created the story together and then Goldman's been writing the screenplay. So um, good selection of people. In terms of the cast, John Sim, obviously people will know from the millions and millions of dramas he's been in, uh, Life on Mars, ex-master of the Doctor Who, uh, Mad Dogs and a load of other things. Uh, Richard McCabe will also be familiar to people in, that saw John Sim in Collateral because he was also in Collateral. Uh, played uh, Mr. Trencombe in Poldark as well. Marcus Rodriguez, who played Daryl in the last season of Iron Fist, also popped up in Chicago Fire. He's been in the US series Manifest and Blue Bloods. John Heffernan appeared in uh, Jonathan Strange, Mr. Neral, Dickensian, The Lock, and again, Collateral. Somebody obviously with the casting this was a very big fan of Collateral. <laughs> uh, he was in that Brexit, The Uncivil War as well, which was, was quite a good sort of one-off movie. He's also starring in um, the uh, Mark Gattis and Stephen Moffat Dracula series, which they're filming at the moment. Dixie Ajidrix was in uh, the Patrick Melrose series and has uh, recently completed filming on a new version of The Secret Garden as well. They rejoined the previously announced cast, which is already relatively impressive. Uh, that's Naomi Watts, Ivaho Jemiah, who you will know from Humans, Josh Whitehouse from Poldark. There's obviously a Poldark fan in the casting office as well. Um, Naomi Aki, uh, Denise Goff, Jamie Campbell Bauer, uh, Sheila Atim, Georgie Henley, Alex Sharp, Tony Rigbo, uh, and Miranda Richardson, who you know, uh, people of my age will remember from Blackadder, but she's been in Curfew quite recently and was in Churchill and mm. a million other things as well. And so, yeah, it's an interesting cast they've put together so far. I'm quite intrigued to see. We don't know who anybody's playing, of course, because it's Game of Thrones and they don't yeah. announce that sort of thing. We don't know much more about the pilot other than that brief little description. So I am very intrigued to uh, to see this. And this is one you can watch right from the very beginning when it comes out. I could do, possibly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know that uh, David Benoff and uh, D.B. Weiss have no involvement with it. Those are the guys that are producing the main Game of Thrones show, so it's an entirely different team of people behind the camera. But it is still coming from George R. R. Martin. It is still HBO. It is still going to have those high-level production values. They're not going to want to screw this up and mess up the brand in any way, shape, or form. It is only a pilot at the moment, as I mentioned at the start. So technically it's possible it won't go to series, but I find that really, really unlikely unless HBO for some reason absolutely hate it, which I don't really see happening. So I would suspect this will arrive. There has been talk of them doing other prequels as well, but this is the uh, the first spin-off prequel that they're making. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. And if it does land, I mean, we, we, you know, we might have a new Game of Thrones either next year or the year after. So we'll mm. You never know. Yes, we'll wait and see. So uh, that's all the news for this week. Let's move on to the interview. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The interview this week is with Trevor Gates. He was the supervising sound editor for the Jordan Peele horror thriller film Us, starring Elizabeth Moss and Lupita Nyong'o. He's also been working on uh, Atlanta with Donald Glover, that series, and uh, also worked on The Haunting of Hill House and uh, a bunch of other shows as well. So um, we mainly kind of stick to talking about Us and Atlanta and a little bit about Haunting of Hill House. Uh, and uh, we, you know, we touch on some of his other work as well. But uh, really interesting guy to talk to um, and just talk about developing the sound for, for those different projects. So uh, this is Trevor Gates. We will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. 
It's lovely to have you uh, come on and chat for a bit. Sure. We've spoken to a few supervising sound editor people before, but just in case people haven't heard any of the other ones we've done, do you want to just explain what your job is? Yeah, I mean, really, you know, we're, uh, we're just one piece of the the puzzle to, uh, of the, of storytelling, um, you know, from a sound perspective. And it's my job to create a sonic, uh, you know, a soundscape for an audience Um, and I'm responsible for everything that you hear besides music. Um, so sound effects and ambiences, the production audio that's recorded on set, all the little details of, you know, people walking and gunfights and, um, you know, cars and sword stabs and all, (laughs) you know, all the goodies that you hear, you know, we have to either build, record or clean up from what was existing. And we have to sculpt this, this story for the audience from a sound perspective. Okay, cool. And how did you get into it? Uh, I've been a music guy. You know, I started playing piano when I was eight and I started writing music when I was 16. And I uh, purchased my first studio recording setup when I was 20 and I was producing all the while I was working retail. Um, and I had this this dream of, you know, moving to L.A. and, you know, following the dream. Um, and, I you know, uh, it was a little late uh, when I was 27. I moved to L.A. and I went back to school. The job that I had, the retail job that I had for 10 years, the, the company went out of business. And I said, well, these are the parting seas. It's time. It's time to, to move to L.A. and follow the dream. And so I went back to school and I studied um, all aspects of sound live sound and post-production and music, um, studio recording, acoustic design. And I worked for a music producer for a couple years after I graduated and it was an, an amazing experience, but I, you know, I was feeling a little held back from what kind of where the industry is. I wanted to make a living and somebody called me as soon as I, I, you know, felt that feeling of like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, <laughs> I got a call and, you know, if from an advisor at the school that, that, that I was. And, and they said, Hey, Trevor, I know you're doing your thing, but I, I have this other thing. And I said, well, let's, let's do it. And so that was the beginning of my sound for film career. And it turns out that it makes me really happy. It allows me to be, you know, just as creative building these sonic sounds, soundscapes for films, just as much as it, it did making music. And so here we are, you know, a hundred plus film later, it feels really great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a crazy about stuff on your imdb page but i mean the the ones that you've done recently that people will definitely have heard of are things like atlanta uh the right. the, the brave haunting of hill house get out obviously um yeah. you're doing the new film us which i think has just been released hasn't it so just yeah, last night people were losing their minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I haven't managed to see that yet. And uh, you oh, do. You have, oh, okay. I, yeah. So, so yeah, just released last night. So I haven't managed cool. to get to see that yet. Um, but uh, I did watch Get Out quite recently, actually. And uh, that's what a phenomenal film that is. It's really, it's really an interesting film. Yeah, uh, it really is. Did you have any inkling how big it was going to be when you were making it? Uh, I did. I did. It was. It was interesting, and you know, it was. It was quite an experience for me because um, I met Jordan, you know, this was kind of early in the process of, of getting, you know, they had like what they call an assembly cut. It was like the first version of the movie. And he said, Hey, I am showing this film tonight to some friends and close colleagues. And I want you to, you know, come watch it um, and tell me what you think. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. So I went and watched the movie and, you know, I walked out after we had some, you know, some discussion about the film and I called who I was working working for at the time and I said this is gonna be a thing this is an amazing film I'm speechless and I mean it, it did what I thought it, it did and you know when we were finishing get out uh, the sound mix I had some conversations with Jordan and I think he knew he knew he had something special and we all knew it was something special you know maybe we didn't know it was gonna do exactly what it did but I'm I think it lived up to its full potential so mm. it was it definitely you you have the feeling inside you know it was it was very cool it was very cool yeah yeah i know it's it's a phenomenally good for movie um i thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm i'm not a big horror guy i don't do sort of horror very much yeah but i like the fact that it's much more of a psychological thing with that and i thought it was just phenomenal 
I mean, when it comes to approaching sound for a film like that, I mean, there's some really interesting bits in there because you've got uh, particularly this stuff with like the teacup that sort of leads sure. into the sunken place. Right. Where, where did that kind of come from? And and how did you deal with that? It's really interesting that when you dive into a film and there are many different things that you build and they come from different places, the teacup specifically in Get Out, actually they recorded on set. Um, right. It was a piece of production audio that they recorded on set and um, the film editor had cut it into the film and when it got to me i was like this is amazing i'm i'm not going to you know reinvent this wheel cuz this wheel is amazing it's it sounds great and so we just finessed the timing a little bit and that was that and then the sunken place was a you know um, a creation in its in itself you know i asked jordan i said what do you want the sunken place to sound like and he said do you know what it sounds like when you're in a bathtub and you put your head underwater what does that sound like? What it, what does that feel like to be isolated and claustrophobic and borderline suffocating? And so that's how we approached, you know, the idea of the sunken place. So I really like that. The like you say, the claustrophobicness of it yeah. is it's great. It's really good. As you said, you just done us recently as well, which right. is his new film, and right. uh, the basic sort of plot of it is he's gone from terrorizing one guy to terrorizing an entire family, and the entire family, right? And they basically greeted by a family of doppelgangers uh, who are, yeah. are sort of the evil kind of versions of them, I guess. That's sort of the basic premise, I guess. Right. It's not really a sequel to the first film. It's sort of a, a next step in the same kind of genre for uh, Jordan Peele. Are, are there similarities with Get Out from the sound side of things? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Us is a very unique film and I'm excited for you to see it. I won't give up any nitty gritty details yeah. so that you experience it in its but what, what's really interesting about Jordan is that he has something to say um, he had something to say with with get out and he has something to say with us <sighs> and what's really cool about us is it makes you you know you walk away from this film wanting to talk about it you walk away wanting to think about it more and it deals a lot of, with duality and humanity through the horror and so what we wanted to do from a sound perspective is we wanted to support you know, that idea that Jordan had from a naturalistic standpoint. And so there are different parts of us that we heightened reality, but through natural sound. And it's quite an experience. And it's it's a little bit different. The soundscape in us is much more complex than the soundscape in Get Out. They're both very articulate in a way, but the composition of them are very different films. What we tried to do, and this is very similar in Get Out, but more overtly in us, we tried to instill or evoke a, a feeling of dread without tipping the hat, you know, yeah. without to make you feel uneasy, but you, maybe you just don't know why you feel uneasy. And we did that with sh subtle shifts of ambiences and natural sounds of carnival rides. And that's, a, that, that's all the details that I'll, that I'll give you. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything because it's a great experience to, to, to walk into Jordan Peele's movies with, you know, with very little understanding of, of what they are. I managed to avoid a lot of the stuff for Get Out for a very right. long time. And I think that was the best way to approach it. I didn't know it's what the amazing, film was about. It's an amazing way I, to experience it, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. So I had no idea what I was going to watch, and really, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's definitely the best way to experience it. Um, Agreed. Really, really, really good film. Along with the the two Jordan Peele movies, you've done a number of other horror-related projects as well. I mean, yeah. Haunting of Hill House is one that I mentioned. Were you a, a particular fan of horror, just, or did you just find that you had a talent for making like you know horror soundscapes, or or was it just you got one and then you got another and then it just sort of? I mean, you've done other things as well, but. But right, right, horror right, seems right. to be a sort of quite a dominant genre. I'm a horror fan, like, you know, the next person. But there are other fans that are more <laughs> of a horror fan than I am. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be, you know, the uber horror fan. 
But what I, you know, I did find myself in a place where I had a talent to tell these stories and people recognize that. And they've been trusting in me to, to help tell their, their stories. And, and I love it. There's texture and meter and there's life in what I do for these, these horror soundscapes. And so, yeah, I, I, I've probably fell into, to a place and it's been a really good relationship. And so, you know, we, we're, we're happy with each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. It's always good, good place to be. I mean, on the other end of that, you've got things like Atlanta, which is is much more of a comedy. How is it getting involved in it, in a show like that, that is out of that sort of horror genre and also working with somebody like Donald Glover, who is obviously yeah. very musical himself and knows sound. Right. How's that sort of dynamic? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I started a year and a half ago. I, I signed up with this great new company called Formosa Group, and they paired me with the Atlanta people. I've brought uh, Jordan Peele as a client along with me and Mike Flanagan, but put me in a room with the filmmakers of Atlanta. And we just, we really saw eye to eye. You know, we, we sat down and we talked about some things and we, we knew it was going to be love at first sight because we understood each other. And I feel like that really translated well into the season of Atlanta. Um, you know, Hiro Mirai, who's the director of, uh, of Atlanta, is just a, a fantastic human. And I really enjoy making art with him. And Atlanta is kind of the dream job because you felt like you were in a room with a bunch of people that it felt like extreme togetherness. Everybody, you know, there wasn't like a, a client service relationship. It was like, this is the team. We're in this room together making something that's exceptional, you know, having a statement for the world. And I think it really brewed something special. And so I'm very thankful and grateful for, for that relationship with Hiro Mirai and Donald Glover, because I think we're going to continue to build together. Uh, we just finished something that's called Guava Island. Um, it's a, it's a special and I won't say much about it, but, um, you know, I think the world is going to receive this, you know, special thing really well. It's a short movie and I appreciate that togetherness and, you know, the ability to work with people on a creative collaborative level. It really speaks to, to the way that the world receives these projects. Yeah, and received them very well with Atlanta because it won you an Emmy. So <laughs> it did, it did. Oh, Teddy Perkins. Yeah, yeah. So which yeah. is funny enough, which is kind of a horror is kind of a horror episode. You yeah, know? yeah. It's- <laughs> so uh, yeah, f- funny that it's that episode that happens to win it as well. But uh, right, you know. But uh, the other project, well, there's a couple of other projects as well. Uh, Haunting of Hill House, which whereas something like Get Out and the Jordan Peele thing isn't really a jump scare movie, whereas right. Haunting of Hill House is is kind of more in that kind of you know, a little bit yeah jump scare. I mean, yeah. not completely, but a little bit more in that kind of area. Um, yeah. Is it fun to do something which is a bit more of a straight traditional horror? Yeah. It, it really is. And, you know, Mike Flanagan is also, you know, he has his own level of genius and I, I appreciate the relationship we have as well. And, and it's going to, it's continuing. We're doing a new movie called Dr. Sleep oh, cool. um, right now, which is the sequel to The Shining, which is, you know, <laughs> a really interesting thing. Yeah. Um, but Mike Flanagan, he's a, you know, he writes really well. And I, that is the the bones of, of his art. It, you know, really stands strong with it, with his writing. And, you know, he's not afraid to have long stretch, stretch monologues. And then that also makes for really good jump scares when, you know, when, when you want to get loud and mm. Mike Flanagan does like to lead into some of those, those moments. Honestly, uh, episode eight of the haunting of Hill house has one of the craziest jump scares I have ever experienced in my whole entire life. <laughs> uh, it is insane. And you know, what I appreciate about Mike is that he earned those those jump scares he doesn't force something that wasn't designed to be that way he creates them to basically give you that experience he designs those moments, those jump scares there are a lot of movies that you know try to force jump scares mm. just by 
sounds um, at a moment where it's not earned. And I don't think that's something that Mike Flanagan does. I think he he's really careful in the way that he designs these moments. So uh, it is a lot of fun to, to see people jump. <laughs> yeah. It must be great stood up, if you ever go stand at the back of an auditorium while there's like a movie playing just to see everybody oh, yeah. move up at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, what's what's really fun uh, in the, the movie world, in the feature world, through the process of creating a movie, we go through a preview process where yeah. they recruit people to watch the movie to give a score so they kind of know what the temperature is for every movie. So we get to sit in the back and watch people jump and we get to watch them cry and laugh. And, you know, that's a really, a really fun part of the process for sure. Yeah, that must be really great fun. Um, when it comes to finding the sounds, are, are you one of these guys that always has some form of recording device on them? For the most part, yes. Um, I, I carry around most recently this cool Ambio headset that plugs right into my phone that records at 96K and, you know, right into wow. my phone. And it, it records a binaural recording, which is binaural is uh, uh, represent, uh, yeah. uh, representative of how you hear as a human. And there, there have been a handful of times where I've just whipped it out and recorded something. It's hard to walk around with a huge rig with, you know, high resolution sure. microphones. And, and whatnot. But I am equal parts a recordist and equal parts a creator. And basically, there is no substitution for capturing something unique and original. But I also enjoy manipulating existing library sounds as well. Mm. Uh, I think there's a value in repurposing and kind of in the postmodern world, you know, appropriating old sounds and, you know, building in them into something new, as well as recording something that's fresh and unheard. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of everything on us. I had the pleasure to work with two re-recording mixers that I think are legends in this business, um, Ron Bartlett and Doug Hemphill. These guys have created so much amazing art. Their last credit before we did us was Blade Runner 2049. And um, Doug Hemphill's first sound credit was on Apocalypse Now. (laughs) These are guys that, you know, sound just runs deep in their blood. And um, Doug has been a, an active sound recordist, uh, you know, sound effects recordist for many, many, many years. And just being around Doug and hearing his stories and the way that he talks about things and the things that he's done and the sounds that he's recorded is a huge inspiration to me. Um, and I really appreciate that, that, you know, that opportunity to experience masters, you know, yeah. um, Legends. They, they wouldn't like me to say legends because they're very humble guys, but I think they're also legends. Awesome. Awesome. Obviously, it'd be a bit difficult if this happens to be something from us, but if you could pick one particular effect that you've done or you know soundscape that you've put together from any of your projects that you're really proud of which one would you which one would you choose that's really interesting i mean i i'm proud of the sunken place in in get out i Mm. am um i think it's minimal it's minimalistic there's some interesting creative stuff that went into creating that that minimal soundscape in the haunting of hill house we did this thing where we subtly pitched down crickets or frogs in a couple of places as the scene gets creepy, creepier, you know, just something that you would feel that is happening. And then by the time you know it's happening, the stuff hits the fan. Um, <laughs> that That is, I'm, I'm proud of, uh, of those moments and the, you know, the inspiration of creativity. And episode six of, of The Haunting of Hill House, is, it was a really technical wonder. You know, there was all these long, you know, 15-minute shots. And we really built this storm, this soundscape outside of the, of the house um, to really breathe as a character. I'm really proud of that. Um, I'm proud of us. 
I, you know, I'm not going to say too much uh, yeah. about it. Um, there are some pretty visceral parts of this thing, but we, like I said, we really tried to embrace the the humanity and to be subtle and not subtle at the same time, you know, to push the limits, to push the envelope of what we can do sound wise to not tip off that something's wrong, but also make you feel really weird at the same time. <laughs> um, and one of the thing that if, you know, if there's anything that you know about me, when you get to know me, you understand that I have a, an extreme passion for, for what I do. And so if I'm not proud of something that I've done, then I haven't done it right. right. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'm proud of Atlanta yeah. uh, and I pour my soul into the work that I do. And it's my fingerprint, you know, this yeah, yeah. is my, this is my legacy. So I think we've done some really cool things in the last couple of years and, and I'm excited to see what we're going to do next. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, have you got anything else coming up that you want to talk about? Well, like I said, this uh, watch out for Mike Flanagan's next film, Doctor Sleep. It's a great, you know, ambitious, lovely story. And uh, we've got some other stuff on the horizon that, you know, I probably shouldn't talk about. <laughs> so, <laughs> Don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, okay. So the last two questions. First question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Oh, man. I don't, I'm not watching TV. I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've been, I've been watching a lot of documentaries. Like, there's been a lot of some documentaries coming out, you know, of some, the hard stuff, the, you know, the stuff that we don't want to think about, but we we should. Mm. Um, of course, I, I'm rewatching the uh, uh, season seven of Game of Thrones for the release. Yeah, in preparation, you know, just just brewing it up for for the finale. Yeah. Uh, honestly, that's about it. I mean, it has been a grueling six months with us and a couple of other projects that we've kind of been doing at the same time. Uh, I've been staying away from the TV quite a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's time to get back in. Yeah, lots of things to catch up on when you uh, get the time. <laughs> right, right. So lastly, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, what show would it be? Oh man, that's a tough question. I'm pretty thankful for the Atlanta and the Haunting of Hill House. I feel special to be able to be, you know, a part of that. I don't really have any anxiety to be a part of things that, you know, isn't meant for me. You know, it would be nice to work, you know, work on Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> I would like to do maybe an Avenger movie, you know, at some point in time. There um, we go. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, maybe a Pixar film, you know, add that to the, re you know, resume. Those are, those are life goals. Um, mm. I think that's, yeah, that'd that's, be good. That's pretty good. <laughs> good. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. It's been lovely to chat with you. Like this. Thank you. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing us. And, uh, yes. you should Skype me back when, once you see us, because you're going to want to talk about it and, you know, we'll <laughs> talk. <do>. About it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Have an awesome day. Cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate Cheers. it. Bye. Bye. That was the interview with us supervising sound editor Trevor Gates. You can see his work on us, which is in cinemas now, on Atlanta, which airs on Fox over here. And uh, I think it's on Netflix. I think you can find it on Netflix, but uh, worth looking around. And Haunting of Hill House, which you can definitely find on Netflix. So go and check that out. Here's some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> Highlights for next week on TV. We have uh, Barry season two that arrives on Sky Atlantic on the 3rd of April at 10.45. Just before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I again, that's another one that I need to go and uh, watch the first season because everybody tells me that's really good. and uh, Really good. Surprised me. I think I went into it not expecting it like to be anything special, but I came out thinking, oh my word, that was, that was it was just a really good piece. Yeah. Uh, just before that, because uh, for some reason they're the wrong way around in this list, uh, Veep returns for its seventh and final season, Yay. which I'm very, very much looking forward to. It's hilarious, that show. Uh, so that's 3rd of April at 10 past 10 that arrives. Very, very happy that's back. I will be sad to see it go because it's such a wonderful show. The Tick season two arrives on Amazon Prime. That's on the 5th of April. Uh, that was brilliant. It's wonderfully silly. And uh, I very much enjoyed Peter Serafinovich in the uh, first season of that. So glad to have that back. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina season two that arrives on the 5th of April on Netflix. That's a quick turnaround. That's amazing. Yeah, they have had a very fast turnaround on that. Um, I think they're referring to it as part two, but uh, yes, it is effectively season two. So that's back on the 5th of April on Netflix. Marvel 
Marvel's Cloak and Dagger that comes back to Amazon Prime on the 5th of April for its second season uh, it's fine that shows the Marvel shows go it's not one of my favourite ones but uh, yeah it was perfectly watchable so uh, that returns for its second season uh, Our Planet that comes onto Netflix on the 5th of April that's the new nature documentary which is sort of them trying to do the Blue Planet BBC documentary stuff uh, from the creator of, of Planet Earth as well and I think David Attenborough is voicing it as well so uh, yes uh, 5th of April for that if you like those nature documentaries The Durrells returns for its fourth and final season that's on ITV on the 7th of April at 8pm Lucifer if you're following the TV broadcast of that that third season of that comes to Fox on the 8th of April at 9pm and 911 returns for the second half of the second season to Sky Witness that's on the 9th of April at 10pm which I'm very much looking forward to coming back and that's everything for this week unless you've got anything else you want to add no nothing else to add I mean the next time I'll be talking to you I'll hopefully be talking about Endgame yes yes fingers crossed probably probably will be yeah Mm. Uh, so uh, yeah 25th of April that is isn't it yep that is yes so yes I'm very much looking forward to that I will be I will be there on opening day for that I think if they want to get in touch with you where can they find you they can find me at Grey the Geek which is uh, Grey with an A it is Grey with an A and that's on Twitter yes on Twitter uh, and for us you can find us on uh, the website geektime.co.uk throughout the week to see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektime.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on Twitter on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on Instagram at geektown UK uh, lots of stuff going on Instagram if you uh, like your cosplay photos there's lots of those going up that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.